0: Welcome to the Power Women in Insurance Show with your host, Teresa Kitchens.
1: Join us as we laugh, talk about hard issues, support each other, and make our industry and our world a better place. Let's go. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Power Women in Insurance Podcast. Today, we're going to take a little bit of a different path. We always say that we want to talk to amazing women in all different aspects of the insurance space today we're going to talk legal. We talk all the time in the insurance space about how we are here to be able to protect and to serve our clients. And today I have Rebecca Edelman, who is in the legal end of things, doing exactly that. And she's been doing this for a while now. I'm going to let her tell you all of that. But this woman is all about women, women empowerment. She's all about clients, insurance, and she's all about bringing into the new space of insurance as insurance evolves, as every industry does, Women and people who are going to make a difference for those clients out there. So, Rebecca, welcome to the podcast. I appreciate you making the time today.
0: Teresa, it is such a pleasure to see you. I have enjoyed meeting you and talking to you about these important topics on women empowerment, insurance, where they all intersect. So, I am uh, I couldn't be happier to spend time with you and everyone who is listening uh, today.
1: Now, you and I did have an amazing phone call when we first were connecting, and I almost didn't even want to get off the phone. We just, I knew we had both had appointments we had to get to, but you yeah. have such an amazing heart for the insurance space. So not only have you been here for a large portion of your career, but you have lots of activities for women. You're a mom, all of those great things you've been balancing career and all of that. Tell us a little bit about how you got where you are today and a little bit
0: about what you're doing. Well, I appreciate the invitation to do that. So, you know, um, first thing I'll say is that, you know, I'm in my, uh, I was sharing with you, I'm in my fourth decade of being a lawyer. Uh, and a risk manager in the insurance space. And I'll, I'll share more about a little more details about that here in, in a moment. So, my journey to where I am now and the importance that the insurance world has in my life and the life of my family is that I, I sort of came up in, a, in Michigan, grew up in Michigan, and my father had a family owned business. And I attribute a lot of who I am, my empowerment, my, cur- you know, the courage, which I think we're going to talk about this a little bit later yes. and showing up courageously uh, as women in insurance. Um, I really attribute a lot of this to my father and he had a, he had a family owned business and he himself really envisioned, you know, decades ago, the importance that women played in the workplace. And so when I was younger, he always would take me to work he always was very intentional about hiring women in his business um, to uh, bring their skill sets beyond what traditionally was, you know, either a secretarial position or teaching position. And so my father always was promoting, sponsoring, and helping mentor women, uh, which was really out of the ordinary, you know, back in the 60s. And, And so I sort of grew up in that mindset with a father who always told me that it really wasn't about you know impossible it was always about i'm possible Uh, and you know that's kind of how i came up so and i had a very um um empowered grandma so i spent a lot of time with my grandmother who was an incredibly unique individual and uh, a great communitarian so i grew up in an environment that really fostered this belief in myself I didn't really recognize it till later on. And I grew up with all the same insecurities as we all have, fears, worries, and things like that. But somewhere a seed had been planted, right? Yeah. Yeah. But people loved me uh, and cared about me that, that anything was possible. So then that journey, of course, led me through high school and led me to college. And I became a, for those listening, I became a third generation Michigan Wolverine. So go big blue. Um, and from there I obtained a degree and I worked all the way through school. And I always, I always, I tell my son, you know, you can take the, you can sort of take a, the woman out of the hustle, but you can't take the hustle out of the woman. And I've always been sort of a hustler. And so I had multiple jobs during school. I finished up my undergraduate um, a degree at Michigan, and then I went on and got a master's degree in business and economics. And then I decided I wanted to go to law school. And my father really encouraged me to go to law school because it wasn't so much to become a lawyer as it was to really understand my rights as a woman and to mm. always have the ability to be independent. And I remember him telling me, you need to be able to read a contract and read a lease and you need to read a rental agreement. You need to read your car note contract. You, you need to be able to understand how to navigate through the, wor- the world on your own. So mm. you need to go to law school. So I could remain independent or have greater choices about my relationships, about my work, etc. So I went to law school. I love law school and my first job out of law school, uh, and I'm not going to say when, but my first job out of law school uh, was with an um, insurance defense firm. That's how I was introduced to insurance. Nice. So I, I began working at a very young age with um, some incredible people who mentored me in the insurance defense world. So I guess what that means is if, you know, a doctor was sued uh, under their professional liability policy, and you guys know what I'm talking about when I talk about PL and GL, yeah. So in that world, I would show up to defend an entity or a person or a doctor or a business in all sorts of risk spaces. Okay, so that's how I I got it. I mean, I fell into a fantastic job and then became, you know, I guess on a high level an insurance defense lawyer. And from there, you know, started to pave my professional pathway and develop. I loved insurance defense. I love the insurance world. I love policies. I love contracts. I love deck pages. I love binders. I love all the language around insurance. I loved my clients. And I started to develop a niche in healthcare. Mm. Kind of fell into my lap. And I started to spend more time developing thought leadership and expertise in the area of like representing hospitals and representing doctors and nursing homes, et cetera, in my early career. Um, And then from there, I sort of had this vision of, um, and I guess this is where, you know, my other real job comes in, which is as a mother. That's my real job. Yeah, that's, that's my real underpaid, overvalued job. <laughs> so, um, but I wanted to become a parent, and um, and the way I was sort of envisioning my professional development was, I wanted to be able to really raise my child in the workplace. Now, keep in mind, this is twenty-some years ago, so it was a really different environment for women. Yeah. It, it's it was more in my world, like you took time off and you left and then you, mm-hmm. you went and raised your children and you came back on. that was just sort of the partnership track or the track for women when I was coming up. And um, I didn't want to do that. And I wanted to make sure that I could have my career and have my child and balance all that out. So I left my partnership and I started my own firm. So 21 years ago, I started my own firm, much like you've got your business, Patricia, and started my firm and um, had a little room in my firm for my son, his little nursery room. And that's what I did. I, you know, I started with no clients. I built a clientele and slowly built my business over the past 20 years, always in insurance defense. And I've branched out a lot to do risk management and insurance Um, I represent all sorts of risks, but healthcare is sort of my specialty, but that's my journey. And, you know, on, on the daily, I'm engaged with insurance adjusters, claims, folks, brokers, agents, like my world, like yours is insurance and clients. That's, that's what I do every day.
1: And it just really keeps you on your toes too. I mean, it's constantly, I mean, the law, you know, is constantly changing. People are constantly changing. People are always coming up with new ways to file claims. I mean, you know, new situations that we are testing that language, like what you're talking about, of the, you can sit down and you can read a, a policy. And um, when you read it under maybe a different light, under a different circumstance with the next client, maybe it's it's not necessarily exactly interpreted the same i mean i mean it would be to some degree but not of course maybe in that situation how have you just found that to be i just think that would be so fascinating i mean as as a career
0: it, it, it and you bring up some great points so you know i've seen a lot during my 30 some plus years and i've you know i've done a lot of declaratory judgment actions which are actions where we're actually interpreting the policy. Is there coverage? Is there not coverage? I've done a lot of coverage work in the years I've been doing this. And coverage is a really fascinating part of what I do, right? Interpreting contracts, plain language of the contracts, endorsements, exclusions. Does it apply? Doesn't it apply? Is the risk covered? Is it not covered? Um, And I I mean, COVID and the pandemic. Right. Yep. Shine this spotlight on, just talk about, you know, act of God clauses, right? And I worked for tenants, I worked for employers. I I mean, and asking us to interpret the application of a contract that was, no one could have ever anticipated the risk of the pandemic ever, and particularly in healthcare. So it's been fascinating, you know, watching insurance companies respond to the crisis you know, all of a sudden you can't insure COVID risk or you've got sublimits or, you know, the, your pathogen exclusion comes into play where nobody even knew they had like a pathogen. pathogen. What's pathogen? What is that? (laughs) And so all of a sudden these contracts became key to, on the insurance side, obviously for managing risk and, and establishing what their exposure was. And then you know, on the client side about, wow, I've been paying this insurance forever. This is actually the kind of crisis where I need my insurance the most. And just sort of, yeah, it has been fascinating. Um, Lots of anecdotal fun stuff, but yeah, it's been a fascinating time to be a lawyer, to be an insurance lawyer, for sure. Uh, And and find ways, and I know we talked about this uh, during our preliminary call, but you know, finding ways to be a servant leader in this space. Mm. The industry is very, you know, it's very business oriented, and finding opportunities to serve at the same time that you're providing legal services or advisory counsel, etc. But always in the spirit of like serving, um, and particularly during the pandemic, things that issues that have come into my office I never would have expected, right? Just yeah someone not being able to, you know, maintain their business. I represent the, the, I represent the landlord, right? Right. Where does our, where does the sort of the compassionate servant leadership come in when we're trying to like force them to pay a lease? Right. I mean, I'm using that as an example, but it's, it's being able to show up and still protect interests, but still approach this environment we've been in for the last few years, like with some type of a compassion and some, some again, some service-oriented approach to what we're doing. I think it's always, it's ever important in an industry that sometimes doesn't embrace it or recognize it as much as we would we would like, let's say.
1: Yeah, yeah. So have you seen, it? because over the course of years, and I'm not just talking, I mean, <clears throat> I think, you know, COVID obviously has tested the boundaries of policies 100%. But have you seen over the course of years how insurance, carriers have adopted or adapted excuse me to the needs of the clients right like maybe they have an exclusion that's put in maybe they add additional coverage over here you know and you have to stay on your toes for all that I mean you really have to stay on your toes because you know this like you know even like the forms that we use there's this version and that version and a version 20 point dot you know 20 dot three point you know, six, two point, I mean, you have to really watch what you're doing for each policy issuance and where the coverage really comes in at. How do you stay on top of all that? Because there's so many different insurance carriers and so many different parts of an insurance policy. How do you stay up on all of that, that verbiage that for me is just, is just fascinating because that seems like a never ending project.
0: It's a never, it certainly is some type of a job security for sure, you know, so that's mm-hmm. a positive, you know, people need that kind of counsel because it is very complex. I mean, what you're describing are the real complexities of this insurance ecosystem we're in, particularly when it comes to the policy. Um, your initial question is that I'll, I'll answer um, relates to have I seen over the years sort of insurance companies adapting to the needs of their insurers? What I've seen is, and, you know, when I use this terminology, you get it, everyone gets it, is it really depends on what's going on in the market. And Mm -hmm. so if you've got a hard market, if you've got a soft market, is there a lot of competition? Do the carriers have some elbow room or do they not? And I think what I've been experiencing over particularly the last decade is with the sort of the creation of a lot of different insurance products, you know, a lot more conversations around captives, around risk retention groups, around sort of insured companies taking control of their own risk. Mm-hmm. It's, it sort of changed the dynamic with our insurance, with the insurance companies. These insurance companies recognize that consumers are more um, um, sophisticated they want to make more, they want to be more partners. I mean, back in the day, seriously, like back in the day, you'd get your homeowners in policy, you get your car out, you get whatever, and you go, okay. And your agent would give it to you, okay. And that was like the last you ever thought about it. Right? Yeah. Not like that anymore. People want to be informed. Companies want to stay informed. They want a relationship with their broker. They want a relationship with their agent. They want what I refer to as stickiness. They want a relationship. Mm-hmm. They want a partnership. It's no more like you're my agent and I'm your client. It's we've got to be partners. If you want me to, if you want this relationship to continue to thrive. And that, I think, translates Trisa, into what's the policy coverage?
2: Like, mm-hmm. are you
0: spending a little bit? Are you able to be flexible with me? Um, I may have a risk that's particularly special to what it is I'm doing. Maybe I'm in agritourism. Maybe I'm whatever the, you know, what, what can you do for me as my agent? Because the competition is, I mean, as the, uh, as the insurer, the competition is, is a little stiffer. And so I found that the adaption comes from creating relationships, deeper relationships. It's no longer like there's an agent up here and then it's us. It's like the playing field's been more leveled. Yeah. Right? And I think that the insurance industry has had to adapt to that by for continued it's not anymore like policy by policy period it's about the long-haul and long-term relationships and you know this i mean you've got a family owned long-term successful agency and you know that it's about people yeah so it's about relationships and i think now the insurance companies recognize that it's no longer about like uninsured it's about a partner a relationship i think that's the yeah. thing and that the contracts start to reflect the importance of that relationship. Absolutely.
1: And I do think that we've
0: seen, as we're talking about
1: relationships, we've also seen kind of the... The culture of insurance change a little bit to where, you know, we do have, of course, the online opportunities where people can go online and buy something from a 1-800 number. We have that where we didn't have that back 20 years ago. But I think we're also, as as an industry, the people that are the risk managers, the people that go in there and really build relationships. We've also seen a lot of women come up through the ranks as well. I mean, obviously, we don't have enough women in leadership positions right now compared to men. But what have you seen as far as your relationship? Because being a woman a legal, in the legal field and in the insurance space, you are in two major niche spaces between legal and insurance. that was not a very woman-embracing culture, just overall. How have you dealt with that over the course of the years? And have you seen that change?
0: Just a topic that's just near and dear to my heart, Teresa. And I mean, let's 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 call it how it is. Those are both male-dominated industries. Yeah. I mean, embracing women into the industry is almost like you know something to talk about the last five, six, seven years. But truly, mm-hmm. and to your point, you know, when I first came in, and you're you're too, you know, and I know you you've seen the evolution. When I first arrived in the in the legal world particularly down here in the South, I'm here in Memphis. Um, you know, there were very few women, period, doing what I'm doing, period, in the legal field, um, trying cases in the insurance defense world. In my firm that was, um, I think we had 27 lawyers. There was one woman partner, but she did like trust and estates. And there were no right. other, was the only other woman there was no one doing insurance defense work, no one. And, um, and so on the flip side of that, my interfacing on the insurance side, my clients, right, were dominated by men, they were just male adjusters, uh, male risk managers, all the C-suites were men. And, you know, again, I think, not to cast any kind of dispersion on the, sort of the you know, the genesis of the industry, but that's just the way it was. And, I, and it's probably not unique to law and it's probably not unique to insurance. It's probably, you know, again, it transcends into some of the, you know, uh, to, to, um, uh, healthcare, you know, women were showing up as nurses and now they're doctors, right. Yeah. And we've all, we're, we're, it's been, a it's truly been a, not an evolution. It's been a revolution really, right. Mm-hmm. And so what I've seen is over time is, number one, women have been, and I, and I, and I hand it to men who are forward-thinking and innovative and re- really sort of respected women in the industry to sponsor them. That's where it sort of all started, were yeah. men like my dad and like the lawyers who brought me up, right, who really saw to it that women found their place in the industry and were promoted and were recognized and they were rewarded. So it sort of started with men and then women, as they started to progress into positions of power and decision-making, then they brought other women up with them. That's really how this, this how this tree grows, Teresa. Right. It's, it's a, it's a, it's, it's like that, you know, you reach your branches down and you pick, you you know, you bring everybody with you. Yeah. The interesting thing, and I think I was sharing this with you too, so even 10 years ago, while most of the interfacing I would do and the connection I had and the networks on my insurance side were men, now 10 years down the road, 90% of the work that I do is for women, women making choices about the wow, at least 90% on a day-to-day basis, 90%. And it is so exciting for me because some of them are in my generation. Some, most of them are not right. And most man. of them are like 10 years younger than I am or 15 years younger than I am who have been led into the industry, either by other women who empowered them or by men who empowered mm-hmm. them. So I've seen that. And I, and I think, um, you know, our firm is an all woman firm and, okay. um, nationally certified woman business enterprise and a diverse business enterprise in the state of Tennessee. So, you know, we, we talk it and we also walk it. And um, what I'm finding also is that with more focus on diversity and inclusion, more focus on women and empowerment, more focus on women in the workplace, et cetera, just the importance of our voice now more than ever, that women are actively and intentionally engaging with other women. In my yes.
1: Life, right? Yes, and, and I think means- I think we have to engage with each other because that's where the conversation, that's where the empowerment. Because it, we are, we do have a lot of women in the insurance space that have not been in the insurance space historically, but there's still not enough women the higher up you go, and we need to still propel, help, and encourage, and we do that by sharing who we are and the journey that we've been through.
0: Yeah no doubt. And I think that's the storytelling around it, uh, just like we're doing. That's what your yeah. podcast is all about, isn't it? All about it. Yep. It's telling stories. It's so people resonate, so people get inspired, so people stay curious. And as you know, so we continue to, you know, we continue to discuss showing up courageously in the space as women and, you know, keep, keep this conversation going. That's why your podcast is just why I just love your podcast so much. All the women who have shown up here who come with different stories to tell, but in the end, we sort of have the same thread that it's the same thread. Like it's finding that thread that also connects all of us. And um, Mm -hmm. I think that's the, that's the real power, right? Is that thread and to keep it going and, um, and to keep extending it out. So anyway, but yeah, it's been, um, it's really been quite an adventure and I, you know, I still love, we're, we're taping the podcast right now. I'm in my office here in downtown Memphis. And, you know, even my office reflects just a different way of doing things. You know, our office is like home. It's a very home environment. Um, you know, the women here um, are encouraged, you know, it's family first here at my firm. And um, so This environment is really just an extension of what women are doing day in, day out. That's how we find that balance. We don't create a separation, is how we we don't require there to be a balance of work and work life and you know personal life. We just have this sort of continuum here at the firm. And so people often ask me, you know, how do you do it? You know, how do you balance your Yeah. You're a mom and you're this and you do this and you're an entrepreneur and you're, you know, have a business and you whatever, and trying to find our own self-care, right? I think that the, I think that, and you'll see, I've written several things about this and I speak on this frequently is there's some fallacy about, to me, I think it's an illusion that there is a work-life balance. I think, if yep. you start from that premise that there is a work-life balance, then everything that extends out from there, you're thinking about am I in balance? Am I not in balance? What's the where the scale's going? But if you abandon the idea that there has to be a work-life balance, and I call it work work-life being, that's sort of the, the phrase I've coined is I like that. You know, why why have like your work-life and you know, your your work and your life and trying to balance work-life and Why not just look at it as just be like, if you're at your work, Mm -hmm. you just, you show up and you be, you be with your family, you be at your work. It's work like being, it's just to show up and be all the time. Talk about step out, step courageously into just being, you don't have to create the separation that separation. Somehow we got conditioned to believe there was this balancing act. Well, if we abandon the idea of a balancing act, then we don't have to worry about everything we're doing falling on a scale. It's a lot of pressure for a woman. It you is.
1: Know? It is. And, you know, I have a, I have a podcast um, called you can't, you can't have it all, just not all at the same time. So ah. maybe like when we go home, that's just our time to be at home, right? We can still have everything we have, want, everything we need, right? When we're at work, we're just at work. Right. And it's a, it's a pivoting lifestyle that just says I can't have it all. Just right now, I need to make sure that I focus here and then in, in the next hour, I'll go focus there. If I go have lunch with a friend or, you know, happy hour with a girlfriend, whatever, you know, I need to be present and that's being honorable to that person. It doesn't mean that if my phone goes off, I might not look at it, you know, what I might put it away. Depends on the moment. Depends on what all we're doing, right? But to me, we can have it all. We just have it at different times, but at every moment, all is still everything because we are as I say, we're whole, perfect, and complete exactly as I am. And that means that my home life is 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 fine. It's perfect. It's good. If I need to take time to be able to focus on work, that's fine. If I need time to take focus on family, that's fine. But what we do is it, it needs to be something that you just, it, it all flows together because we're one person and both parts of us make up that one person, right? Just like, I'm a daughter, just like I'm a mother, just like I'm a friend. I can be all things. It doesn't mean that being an entrepreneur versus being an insurance agent versus a mom doesn't mean those are exclusive silos of time. They, they should be integrated because we have to bring with us into that conversation who we are as individuals, because that's what makes us stand out in each of those spaces.
0: That is it. You would never mm-hmm. hit the road. So you're going to be my, you'll be my uh, compadre on the road. And we'll go talk more about work-life being. I love it. When I, when I, when I'm hiring here at the firm, when I'm you know, w- working on building a team, here's what I tell people. There's not like your work life and your life outside of work. There's just your life. It's just your life. There's no yep. work life, this life, that life. It's just your life like go and live your life. And the key for me and sort of how I converse about this with women, other women is that really being able to shed the guilt, you know, yeah. like I remember particularly when mine was a, was a itty bitty, you know, in and sort of the guilt and the shame and all that kind of stuff. Like I was a working mother, like I was a 24 seven working mother, like, but I was a 24 seven mother. So it's not like yep. I was a, So, you know, if I had to be at my kid's basketball game, but I needed to go take a call, that's just my life, right? Like I had to make decisions around it. Like, is this a call that can wait? Is it not? But if I had something that was urgent in any part of my life, I had to go take care of it. And just like I needed to take care of my kid. And, and I guess the point is, is like the internal feelings of like, oh, you know, any kind of guilt or regret or oh I can't be here for my kid or I'm on the phone at this basketball game it's like we got to let all that go we got to we have to leave that on the ground let it go on un, unburden ourselves yes so like, we can just be and live our lives and that's i mean this isn't necessarily i mean we're focused on your podcast and the things that you're working on and the women who are listening to us and others but this is really like kind of a, a bigger philosophic approach to just showing up every day. Like we talked about just being courageous and showing up every day and being vulnerable yeah. and just trusting yourself. Right. Yeah. And I
1: think, I think would we label it private life or home life or personal life or work life or professional life or what I think it creates A um, what's the word I'm looking for? It creates a segregation between those sections of our lives, and by just calling it our life, yeah, by just calling it our life, it allows us to say this is my life, right? Whereas if we say this is my personal life, and oh, my work life can't encroach on my person, it's it's almost like it creates division in us. So then, whenever we, whenever I become that person that gets that nervous tick, right, that I'm, you know, that I'm judging judging myself over. Yes, when that's of course because I, I set that up to be that way, right? Ooh, my, my, my hair, through the hair, that worked. Um, because I set myself up to judge myself because I created a vision in who I
0: am. Hundred percent. Mm. You got it, man dismantling the conditioning is the ticket. Dismantling the idea that there's any that there's even a possibility to find a balance, like. It's not really about balance. It's how you deal with being in balance. That's the magic, mm. right? How do you deal with just life? How do you deal with being on one foot out of balance? That's the magic, not trying to always seek the balance, but trying to find the courage and the trust in yourself and the trust in things you believe in and people you believe in to just know that you're going to be out of balance all the time. Like you're going to be on one foot. How do you do it? I mean, that's- and yeah, it is
1: beautiful. It is beautiful. I think when people try to seek so badly, that balance, they create unbalance.
0: It's it's vicious. Yes. It's vicious because the idea of the work-life balance, the idea of that we can somehow arrive at a balance sets you up for failure. That's what you're totally. About. And then we judge ourselves like, Oh, I didn't do the work-life one. Right. I didn't do the personal one. Right. I, it's like all of a sudden, because we as women sort of, unfortunately we inherited that and we're, we're growing out of it. We're helping each other grow out of it, but we inherited that and society mm-hmm. was designed around that. Like you got to get it right. So being a woman who
1: it was, was, you know, had your kid with you all the time. And, and I did the same thing. I know we talked about that too. I had a, a back room with hamsters and snakes and and, and all these other animals, Legos all over the place, right? And, yeah. I mean, I think there were like Capri Suns. And um, um, I don't think, I don't even know if they're around anymore. Remember, what is it? The fruit roll-ups with like the fruit. And then they would like roll up, you know, because um, we I had those like everywhere.
0: The fruit roll-ups.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a good way to get your kids some fruit. Anyway, but anyway, um, it's, it's one of those things where my kids were underneath my desk at all times. You know, they, they had a little mobile you know, DVD players. And we would order back then the, the, the Netflix where you put them in the mail and then they'd swap them out and all that. But my kids remember that as being a beautiful time in their lives where they were so active and busy and so forth. And there might've been a time when I had to step away from a soccer game for like 10 minutes to make a phone call, right? But I was still for 80 minutes out of the 90 minute game, I was completely there, right? And I think that we don't need to judge ourselves that, and you're into high powered lifestyle situations where you do speaking, you are a, an attorney in the insurance space. And I know that one of the things we talked about the other day, and I'm kind of doing a stream of consciousness here that I loved, and we've mentioned it a couple times on this podcast is being courageous about being a woman, just period. And embracing who we are, what does for you, we've already talked about kind of seeing your life as one and that being, right? But what does showing up courageously look like sometimes for you? as far, you know, as far as knowing where you can where do you step up and 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 have and how have you how have you stepped out to be creative? Maybe that's more my question. Sometimes I think it's a conscious decision to have to step out and be courageous. How have you needed to do that and where have you found success with that?
0: That's a, wow, that's a, that's a jam-packed, awesome sort of conscious, stream of consciousness question. (laughs) Very stream of consciousness. I apologize. That was a a long journey. (laughs) I'm having the best day. This is fantastic because these are, these are really important, wonderful, inspiring conversations. So, you know, I think that this idea of, you know, empowerment, you know, sort of the heart of your podcast and what we are trying to convey and converse about sort of, there's a, there's a level below empowerment, like they not a level, but there's a empowerment is sort of the byproduct to me of this idea of showing up authentically showing up with courage. And at the heart of that is really, you know, it's interesting because we're talking about insurance, but, you know, it's about risk in some, to to some degree, about vulnerability, right? Like, I think that just as women, we sort of, again, we're, we inherit, right? I think we just inherited um, as our natures, a higher level of vulnerability, compassion, empathy, just the emotional side of living, right? We just sort of get, it's just part of our conditioning young and the way sees us. So the question is, is how do you integrate that when you are moving through life and want to, you know, advance your business, uh, um, your, you know, your business goals, you want to be a successful mother, uh, whatever success means to us, but you know, you want to raise a family and show up there and, you know, what is, how do we do that and still sort of maintain our authentic self in a world that has a lot of expectations around women in the workplace? Yes. Yes. So, I think one interesting point, and then I'll sort of wrap it back around, is, you know, both of the industries I, I spend most of my time in, law and in insurance, um, you know, there's a, there's a you know, I, early on I had a lot of choices around how I wanted to show up. Do I want to sort of show up with a, and a, again, a, out of complete and utter respect for anyone and how they want to show up? For me, I really always saw it as a choice. Again, I thank my father for this. I saw it as a choice of do I want to try and adapt to a male-oriented sort of oriented world, male-oriented thinking, male-oriented compensation schedules, male-oriented agendas, or do I want to embrace the female nature of who I am, the business nature and the empowered woman I am, and really have the courage to be authentic in that space and show up as me, unwavering unapologetic, right? Like this is me and this is how I'm going to do this. I can still get all the work done. I can still change the diaper. I can still feed the kid and I can still run the business. I can do, I can have it all, as you say, at different times, but I don't have to sacrifice my authentic self and show up sort of like in a in a wolf in sheep's clothing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, And that's how it happened for me. Like, and Mm. when you say a lot of it is intent. It is. It's very intentional because sometimes you know you get a lot of pushback. Not everyone embraces yep. the idea. You know, it can be viewed as you know this conversation. You're bossy. You're loud. You're overbearing. <laughs> you're you're that. Yeah. Woman. You're that woman. You can use other yep. terminology that I won't bring into your podcast. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Everyone else knows what I'm saying. And yep. Being able to walk into that and say, yeah, you know, you might have that experience with women, but that's not me. Yeah, that, that has taken a lot of decades to really just, um, you know, be 100% comfortable, I say hundred percent, be extremely comfortable with who I am and find a peace with that. And it's like my favorite quote, you know, the gravity of the battle means nothing to those at peace. So working on my own peace, right? Peace with my family, peace with myself, peace with, you know, my faith world, right? And yep. then it doesn't matter what sort of battle I walk into and the gravity mm. of the situation because I'm at peace. And so if I encounter aggression or I encounter microaggression, which is a lot of that around there. yeah. Counter bias, if I encounter whatever it is, I know that I'm at peace with who I am and where I show up in the this world, you know, in the insurance world, in the legal world, in my mommy world, in my friendship world, relationships. And I think that's where the courage comes in, the courage to sort of mm. the sort of this courage to lay down the conditioning and trust yourself and really just trust yourself and. Trust that your authentic self is really what will get the job done, so to speak, all the time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I ended up I ended up kind of uh, through an acquisition, a business that I that I built that I that I purchased recently um, about a year and a half ago. I ended up uh, bringing on a client and it was a really big client. And when we kind of went into it and. And um, I I was doing the initial meet and greet with this client after a very traumatic situation this past fall. And um, the previous owner kind of came up to me and said, now you're a lot. So let me take the reins here. Now it was another woman, but I ended up letting that tinge taint how I showed up that day. And I showed up very, very differently from how I would have normally and I did not make the best impression on the client because in my mind, I was too much, right? And I didn't want to be too much. So about a month ago, actually, because that was back in October, a month ago, and we are currently recording as of February 15th. Um, so it took me a little while to come come to real, realization with this, but I ended up calling um, and just saying, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm here to service some some questions you have. I want to answer them." And all of a sudden, I just said, "Hey." Can we just start over? Because if, if I gain your business or lose your business, I want to do it based on who I am. I don't want it to be based on who I'm not. And you know what? When I met you before, when I showed up before, I did not show up as me. I was coming out of a trauma. Okay. But I let my head juju get too crazy. And I followed a path that is not me authentically. And I don't want you to wonder who I am because I want you to know who I am. Because if you do business with me, I want you to do business with me. And if I screw it up, I screw it up because of me. So can we just go ahead and start over again? And it was so funny because he was like, yeah, he goes, absolutely. He goes, I'm already liking more what I hear than I did before. And I was like, okay, so this is what you need to think about. And I took much more of that proactive rather than the little mousey sit in the back. And I think we have that moment in our lives. And when we come to the point where we are conscious of it Mm -hmm. and not listening to that mousy voice in the back of our head, if we can say, Hey, this is one of those moments in life where I need to step up. And that's where we really get into that living courageously, right? Is that consciousness of knowing this is one of those moments and then taking that chance to be able to reframe even our own thought process of what this is really going to be. I think to me, that's authenticity. That's taking hold of the reins and being real. I've heard the fake it till you make it thing. And to me, that's not authentic, obviously, because it's faking it. Right. I I mean, how do you have those moments where you have to really just choose to move forward?
0: And thank you for sharing that story. I mean, that really that really, that really moves me because, um, you know, the story that I, I hear you tell is like your, a, your ability to sort of, you know, manage trauma, be traumatized by whatever event in our lives. And we all have some trauma, right? Mm-hmm. It's just so the deep trauma. But to be able to also trust ourselves that we're in a healing phase all the time, like that's true. To me, your story tells me that you took a step to heal yourself. Like that—that's what I get from that story. So thank you for sharing mm-hmm. that. It doesn't matter how long it takes, by the way. We don't. We can't. It doesn't matter if it's months or years or whatever. It's just it and there's so many
1: layers of it too. It doesn't just end, you know, right? I now. mean, ah, oh, there's always so much more.
0: <laughs> yeah always so much more but the point is is that you step courageously over a threshold i mean that that's what it is right you see this threshold and we have like like gosh should i go through it mm. and i uh, remember is and then i can share with you the, the the short answer is yes but you know you've got this threshold and i always see these thresholds as you know these thresholds are entries into something but they're also exits thresholds yep. are en- and their exits their their beginnings and their endings and i think that you know for me i've um both personally and professionally you know you arrive at this sort of threshold or this fork in the road or some somewhere along the path where you've got to you sometimes you just this is my grandma used to tell me when i was at those places when i was younger she'd say sweetheart put some lipstick on and just get going Okay. They, Love in it mind, this was like 50 years ago. Right. And she used to wear perfect lipstick, everything matched, but that was her way of saying, just go like, trust yourself and go get that lipstick on and just roll. And, and I think that's sort of what you're describing is you're standing at a threshold. I remember several business ventures. I think, I think being at that threshold for me has been most important when I let a relationship go, a business relationship mm. where, I'm at this threshold and I'm like, oh gosh, this is a big part of my business. But ethically, I don't believe in this client or this client is creating, um, you know, is microaggressive. Yep. Right. Like they don't really get me. They pay me and I'm doing a service for them, but something doesn't feel right when I work with these folks and being able to make a courageous decision. And I think. It's same thing in your 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 uh, your uh, illuminating story is that courage to do what you describe, take that choice. You have to be completely detached from the outcome. Like yeah, you can't completely. Take, you can't step courageously and make an intention to go through that threshold and be your authentic self and be attached to the outcome. You can't. Like you have to do that and say. I'm just showing up as myself. Either you want me or you don't want me. But what this is for me, right? Yeah. This is for me. So I think those thresholds are always about decisions I make that destabilize some of my key insecurities, like financial insecurity, for example. Like who mm-hmm. is going to make going to impact my bottom line or my ability to take care of my family and my people. So I stand there at the threshold probably for a lot longer than I should saying, well, my authentic self says, this is not good for me. Like, and if this isn't good for me, it's actually creating an obstacle to opportunities that are good to me. So Mm, I got to step out into this, get rid of this toxicity so I can have like a clear pathway to, to receive and allow for the things that are really going to make my life feel abundant. But it's hard because as women, we're like, man, I'm going to lose a client. I'm going to lose money. My God, what's this going to do to my stature? Will people yep. failure? What are they going to think about me? Are they gonna talk? I mean, all that, all that, what you were talking, all that mind, all that chatter. Yeah. Like, letting it go and just saying, I, I, being my authentic self is the only way to do it. And, and I'll tell you, if we stand at the threshold and we're not sure what to do. You just got to call in your tribe. You just got to call your people up and you got to call the other women up and say, I'm I'm sort of there. I need help getting, I need a little push. And there's plenty of um, them out yes. we're, probably, we're probably all listening to you right now, Teresa. Well, you know, and it is that tribe. It's those
1: people. It's the community that we create that, that, pull us through those moments whether or not they're physically with us emotionally with us on the phone if we can throw up a zoom call because maybe they're halfway across the country even if it's just a text message right and if you just know you're not alone and you know somebody sees you and sees you in your authenticity i think that helps us to feel like we can walk through those thresholds a lot more securely and make a better decision and not a knee-jerk reaction out of fear you know Mm -hmm. one that's best for us
0: Yeah, that's a big, you just touched on a really important part, I think, of courageous living, which is showing up present to our professional lives, uh, and particularly in this world of insurance uh, that is very complex and competitive. Um, And where we want to be successful is, you know, this idea of like, are we making decisions out of fear? And I think that that's a, I think that's what's on the, this is what, that's what's on the front side of the threshold is being afraid. Yeah. And that you show up authentically like it's like Miriam Williamson says, you know, love and fear cannot coexist in the same place. It's impossible. Yeah. So when you decide to make that move that you're talking about, you're acting out of love, your self-love, your love for the people around you, you know, that, that's it. And then you can't be afraid. So that's a I appreciate you bringing up that point because it's it's true. Making decisions out of fear. You know, those are, those are the, the kinds of decisions that paralyze us. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think too, and, and it's really important to realize also that people respond to things the way that they feel and the way that they have their own chatter. Right. And that the, if somebody does decide not to work with me, if somebody else does decide that I'm not their person, then I need to be okay with that. And we just kind of mentioned the fact that we need to be okay with the outcome. But I also need to understand that the outcome is about them. It's not about me because I already showed up authentically and I already gave what I have. And if we're not a match, we're not a match. And I used to always um, back when I was single, I used to say, you're an amazing person. You're just not my amazing person. You're not supposed to be mine. You're supposed to be somebody else's. So good luck. And I totally support you going wherever it is you need to go. And I think we need to take that perspective sometimes for just opportunities to come in. It doesn't mean that if they're not handed to us, if we don't, don't get those opportunities, it doesn't mean if that door closes mm-hmm. that that's a personal judgment on us. It's really that that just wasn't for us. Yes. And if somebody says something, maybe like we talk about those, you know, uh, microaggressive personalities or whatever, that's about them. If somebody needs to make a <clears throat> sexist comment about me, or somebody needs to say, Hey, you're you're a lot, okay, I am. And if you think I'm a lot, okay, maybe I'm a lot more than you're used to handling. Maybe that's really what somebody needs to say is that I'm maybe more than they're used to handling, but somebody else might like somebody who is a lot in that space and i might speak to somebody in that space so i need to still show up authentically so that i can attract the people that i want the contracts that i want the business that i want and the friendships and the you know community that i want because unless we do it we're living and we're living a lie either way
0: mm-hmm. 100% very inspiring and I, I again i will say this easier said than done
1: Oh, 100%. It is a lifelong struggle. I don't know if anybody ever truly achieves it.
0: And, but you know what? It's not about that. It's about the progress toward it. It isn't really about achieving it, right? It's, it's, you know, at the end of the day, you could say to yourself, you know, what are some tools you and I could share out there with your listening group? Um, You know, uh, did I um, make a courageous choice today? Or did I, did I move closer to my authenticity today. It doesn't have to be earth shattering every day. Sometimes it's just, it's really actually a, accumulation of little small things that make up our life. Like you and I were talking about before um, we got on the podcast, I was admiring your bookshelf that I can see which just <laughs> all your life story on it. I mean, it's wonderful. There's an elephant in pictures and in pottery and your children at all different. I mean, that's really what it's about. It's this small, these, these memories, these events, mm-hmm. these every day moving ahead, one step closer. That's all it is. And some days it takes three steps backwards, but you're still one step closer. That's what's, that's what we need to remember. Three steps back doesn't mean as long as you take the one step closer, that's it. And you know, then your life starts to look like your bookshelf accumulation of all these little events that move you toward your own authenticity and you know and bringing everyone up with you it's just a beautiful thing and um but it's it is it's it's easier said than done i mean we still live in a world despite the progressive nature of our industry despite you know the fact that we are seeing women um, you know, really advance and show up in places where they haven't been before, making really critical strategic decisions um, for businesses uh, in insurance that still we've got a long way to go, baby. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think I'm
1: excited because I think within it's becoming kind of a buzzword in the industry, but I really want to see what carriers and the, the people in the industry are really going to be doing in five years. Um, wow. I think it's easy to jump on a bandwagon and start a conversation. It's not easy to step through and actually uh, empower and bring up the people that really need to be in those spaces. And um, I mean, I'm not saying that women need to overpower the world or anything like that, just to where we're, you know, we have equal equal opportunities to be able to step up and and be those and be able to live that life. Because I think men deserve that, that 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 ability as well. It needs to be. You know, people say in business all the time, get the right butts in the right seat, right? It needs to be the right butts in the right seat to be able to propel the industry and the safety of of, of protecting our clients and protecting our industry as it grows and morphs. It needs to be the right people in the right seats. And um, I'm so glad that, Rebecca, you are part of that movement to be able to do that and that you're out there protecting the The people in the industry, the clients as well as the 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 integrity of the policies and how it was originally written, so I love what you're doing, and I think it is phenomenal
0: well, I'm just so grateful. I feel the same way about you. I know our relationship will go a long way. you and me together. I already see that, and we have Absolutely. a lot of work to, we have a lot of work to do, and just really um you know I think. You know, how do you measure, you know, how do you sort of measure at the end of your day, you know, what kind of day it was. And I think that for me, it's really about, I can look back and I can say, you know, I was happy as when, like I did things that make me happy during the day. Like Mm -hmm. it makes me happy when I'm on a podcast with Teresa. It makes me happy when I go walk my dog. It makes me happy when I, you know, when I'm able to give an answer to a client. Like, just a simple answer to those questions during the day. Like, what will make me happy? And sometimes it's just no more than that. Like, at the end of your day, did I do five things that really made me happy? I mean, that what more is there, right? And I love it. Yeah. And I think that's where our authentic self shows up. Because when we say, wow, that didn't make me happy, that's when you're at a threshold. I did. True. These, I did these multiple things today, but that didn't make me happy. Well, hmm wonder what that's all about. Again, just being curious about it. So anyway, with just a great day, I really appreciate being with you.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you. Now, Rebecca, if people want to reach out to you, because I know that you are doing all sorts of things in the industry. You are working directly with um, the nationally certified women in business enterprise organization as well. You're working with in the healthcare industry, you're working in the, the insurance legal industry and in lots of different facilities. If people want to reach out to you, how can they reach out
0: to you and connect? Wonderful. I, I invite anyone and everyone to reach out because we do, uh, like I was talking to you about too, you know, one of the a, a key parts of my firm is that we have a, um, we have a, a social responsibility platform So I'm always looking also to partner with other women organizations out there, particularly nonprofits, to help promote and sponsor and bring awareness, right? So to the degree there's anyone out there who wants to reach out, but the the easiest way to get me is... Let me give you, do you want me to give you my email address? Is that the best thing to do? <laughs> whatever
1: you want to do, we will also have a guest information form for you to fill out later on too. That'll be part of the publicity of it, but just verbally, whatever you want me to be able to give as people to be able to reach out and connect with you. Yeah,
0: appreciate that. Love you to explore my website at edelmanfirm.com, A-D-E-L-M-A-N firm.com, edelmanfirm.com. And pretty easy, Rebecca at com. So- reach out, um, all the information's on our site. Uh, we always welcome just high-level conversations like these today, just moving forward. One, I was happy today spending time with you and I feel like I definitely made moves toward my authentic self and progress and really appreciate that. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you
1: so much for your time today. Everybody, this has been another episode of the Amazing Power Women in Insurance podcast. Today, we talk about the legal aspect of and the women empowerment and how to be able to show up courageously. Do make sure that you check us out every single Wednesday. We have a new episode where we drop another amazing woman conversation. And if you know of women out there, make sure to send them my direction. Give us a review as well. So important, so that that way we can go ahead and make sure we reach more women in the insurance space. Everybody, until next week, my name is Teresa Kitchens, and I'll talk to you soon. Have a great week, everybody.
2: Are dropped calls and poor voice quality slowing down your business communication? It's time you switch to a solution that keeps the team connected seamlessly. Introducing Lightspeed Voice, your gateway to a revolutionary VoIP system designed to elevate your business communications to the next level. With Lightspeed Voice, you get more than just a reliable connection, you get feature-rich system that adapts to your business needs, whether it's video conferencing, virtual voicemail, or call forwarding. Lightspeed Voice, they've got you covered. They got my agency covered at the Insurance Alliance. Worried about the transition? Don't be. Lightspeed Voice offers a seamless integration, making the switch to our VoIP system a breeze. Our expert support team, that's what they're known for, is here to guide you every step of the way, ensuring a smooth and efficient transition for your business. That's right, but that's not all. Lightspeed Voice is not just a communication tool, it's a strategic investment in your business success. It is. Save on your monthly communication costs while enjoying top-notch service. It's a win-win, and it is, and you can put that money somewhere else. Don't let outdated communication systems hold your business back. Upgrade to Lightspeed Voice today and experience the difference. Visit our website or call now to schedule a demo and see firsthand how Lightspeed Voice can transform your business communications. Lightspeed Voice, where every word matters and your business is always in sync. CAS approved.